Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Many people who are invited to certain events, they would, they would be given a, a special stone, uh, and that would mean that they were welcome and accepted. And, and, and notice he says, and I'll give you a new name. You know, this speaks of a new identity and a new experience. I am Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. In the ancient world, the use of a white stone had many associations. A white stone could mean a ticket to a banquet, a sign of friendship, evidence of having been counted, or as a sign of acquittal in a court of law. Jesus may have any one of these meanings in mind, but at the very least we know that it has the assurance of a blessing. Now let's join Pastor Rob for the final message in this section. kind of deception, uh, even though it started back then and even before actually, is still going on today. The, the devil doesn't have to use any, any new tools in his tool chest. The old tools work just fine and because most people are susceptible to those things if we're not careful. So that's why we pray for our leaders. Pray for your pastor. Pray for other pastors. Pray for yourselves. We all need to be careful in the time that we live in today because we live in, um, you know, you think about Pergamos and the environment they lived in. We in America, the church, live in a similar environment. It may not be as outright but it's very subtle, but it's very, uh, it is very obvious, the things that are going on, the whole, um, all of the things that are going on, you know, the homosexual um, agenda, and all of these things are totally corrupting many churches. In fact, there are churches even in the area here that have pastors, men that are homosexual and are married to another man. Uh, they have them right here in our, and there's, you know, they're here. I know this for a fact. And so this is, this is horrible. But these are the things that we have to be concerned about. You see, the Bible hasn't changed one bit concerning any of this. We know that it to you know in Exodus twenty verse fourteen it says you shall not commit adultery. In First Corinthians six it says flee immorality, and we see immorality all around us. And then in First Thessalonians four verse verse three, what does Paul say? This is the will of God, your sanctification, and sanctification is being set apart. 
set apart from the world and set apart unto God. It has to be that way. And there has to be a setting apart from the world and then being set apart to God. It's so important that we are that way. And even in Hebrews 13, verse 14, it says, Let the marriage bed be undefiled. There's nothing wrong with uh, sexuality and the bonds of marriage. It's all good. God made it that way. And he said it was very good. And it was, uh, and it was uncorrupted. But today we see the corruption all around us. And in Ephesians 5, verse 3, finally it says, Do not let immorality or any impurity even be named among you. And see, that's a, the high road, really, isn't it, for the church today, is to not let any immorality or impurity be named among us. So examine yourself. You know, what about you? Are you living a double life? You know, as I, as I say this, I'm saying it into a camera, and I know that there are people in our own fellowship and others that I, that I haven't even met. You're, you're watching, but are you living a double life? These are, these are important things to ask, and, and, you know, and, and that may hurt, you know, because it, it's not an easy thing to, to come to terms with, but we have to come to terms with it. Are you living a double life? Are you unfaithful to your spouse? Men, when you go on business trips, are you renting videos that, and looking at things that you ought not to? Are you looking at pornographic magazines or videos online? Ladies, are you watching the soap operas and falling in love with these, these, these long-haired men who, you know, clean the pool, you know, and, <laughs> and all these things, you know, uh, single folks. Are you keeping yourself pure and guarding your virginity? Yes, it's important to do that. Wait until you're married. The greatest blessings are when you go to that altar with your spouse for the first time. And God, I've seen this happen in our fellowship and just the, the beauty of two people who have never been with anyone and finally they're there at the altar and it is the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. It'll actually bring tears to your eyes and I've witnessed it a couple of times where I knew that was the case and it was an amazing thing. It's a mind blower. So rare in this country, so rare in this world for that to happen and that's why these things that we're reading today are important. It is important. But what about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Basically, it's very similar to that of the doctrine of Balaam. The church at Ephesus, in verse 6 of this very chapter, they were commended by Jesus too because they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans was, we believe, a doctrine started by a man named Nicholas. His name literally means conqueror of the people. And we know in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, that he was actually one of the first deacons of the church. But evidently, at some point, he kind of broke off and did his own thing. And, be, and because of his influence and his uh, lack of uh, devotion to Christ, he began to uh, lead people into perversion and liberty. In fact, they held to a doctrine the Nicolaitans, they held to something called antinomianism, and that's a really fancy word. And basically what it means is it's a belief that none of God's moral laws are binding on any Christian today. In other words, because I'm a Christian, because the blood of Christ has covered me, now I'm free from the law and I can just do whatever I want. Is that what the Bible teaches? Absolutely not. In fact, the law is there to, to, to show us where we've gone wrong, right? And thank God that Jesus fulfilled the law, but that doesn't mean that we can just continue doing what we want. But that was the sin of the Nicolaitans. They believed in this antinomianism, and that was, again, was the belief that none of God's moral laws are binding on the church today, which is a fallacy. That is not true. In fact, one, um, 
one gentleman, uh, Clement of Alexander, actually said this. He says, These people, they've abandoned themselves to pleasure like goats, leading a life of self-indulgence. Those, those were his words. And so, just as the church in Pergamos, they lived in a, in a culture of compromise, we too live in a world of compromise. And how is the church in America, how are we to stand up against these things? How are we to stand up? First, we need to be born again, right? Jesus said, you must be born again. He said that to a very religious man. Read John chapter 3 for yourself. You must be born again, Nicodemus. You cannot see God. Unless you're born again, you cannot see God, and you can't even enter the kingdom of God. And, and, and those were Jesus' words. We need the Spirit of God in us. It's not good enough. I'm not good enough of my own, of my own self to, to make it to heaven. I have to be born again. I was born with a sin nature. I need a new nature. I need a new nature, the very nature of Jesus. And that's why he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're a very religious man. You're a Pharisee. Which, and, and, and at that time, he was the ruling class, part of the ruling class of Israel. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So we need to be born again. We need to stay in the Word of God. Open your Bibles, folks. Read your Bibles. More than you watch the news, more than you read novels. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but the proportion of time that we spend in those things is going to have an impact on us spiritually. If I spend most of my time reading the scanning the headlines of even Fox News, I'm going to be in trouble. If I spend all my time looking at CNN, I'm going to be even more trouble. But the thing is, is what am I filling my heart and my mind with? Wouldn't it be better to rather study the Word of God and, and get a commentary or just pray and read and, and, and be encouraged and built up and know what's coming and, and the real, who the enemy really is? Wouldn't that be much better? I think it is. So we need to stay in the Word, we need to study the Word of God, and we need to be in prayer. That's why I'd encourage you to join us on Tuesday evenings in our prayer meetings that we have at 7 o'clock here. We're doing it online, just like we're doing this now, but please consider joining us and just praying with us. You know, that we need to be a praying church. Without prayer, uh, we might as well just close the doors and, and, and do something else with our lives. Because if we're not willing to pray, if we're not praying, how can God do anything? You know, God can do anything, but rarely will He do anything unless His people pray. So we need to pray, and we need to obey the Lord. We need to turn away from things. We need to come out from among the world and be separate. We can, the, the, we're supposed to be, we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. What does it say in 2 Corinthians? And then we'll finish up here and we'll take com, uh, communion. Um, uh, let's see, what time is it? Oh my. <laughs> 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said to them in verse 17, Come out from among them. Meaning, come out from among that Corinthian culture that was so twisted, very much like uh, Pergamos, a very lascivious, a very um, uh, compromised culture. He says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And, and, and that's important for us to do. We are to be in the world, but not to be of the world. So what is the remedy? Verse 16 is the remedy. Repent. This is a word that nobody likes to hear. And in fact, you know, sometimes as soon as you mention the word repent, people are immediately repulsed because they think you're going to bring out a Bible and smack them with it or something. But you know what? There's no greater thing than repentance. It, it, all it means is turning away 
the opposite direction from the direction I'm going. So if I'm going towards something that I know is, is not good for my life, I need to turn the other direction. I need to turn. And will you turn? Will you repent of your sins? I've got my own and I repent, you know, I'm repenting and I'm turning away from those things. And as we go along in our Christian walk, we should be, we're not sinless, but as we go along in our relationship with God, hopefully we will sin less than we did when we were younger. And so it's something that we need to do. We need to repent. Notice what he says, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Remember, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the bone and marrow and soul and spirit. Boy, that, that is really something. That's a very clinical, surgical, spiritual tool that God has, and he does it with his word. And that's amazing how he can just do that. And, and we've all been the beneficiaries of that, haven't we? We've all experienced uh, what the word of God does to us. And then finally he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Remember, the children of Israel ate manna. It was uh, some kind of uh, food that God caused to come out of the ground when the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. But notice he says, To him who overcomes, and we overcome by our faith in Christ, don't we? He says, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no man knows except him who receives it. We know that the hidden manna, it's like bread. You know, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never hunger, never thirst. So Jesus is our hidden manna. And the white stone, in the, in the ancient days, uh, a judge would, uh, before he would pass sentence on someone, he would put into a jar a white stone or a black stone, and um, he would offer that to, uh, uh, to give his verdict. And a white stone would mean that you're acquitted, a black stone would mean that you are condemned and then sentenced to jail or whatever was the uh, the result of your whatever you did. And it was also uh, a means of acceptance. Uh, many people who were invited to certain events they would they would be given a, a special stone, uh, and that would mean that they were welcome and accepted. And 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 notice he says, and I'll give you a new name. You know, this speaks of a new identity. In a new experience, you know, Jesus, during the life of Peter, when he first met Peter, what, what did he say to Peter in John chapter 1? He says, Jesus looking at Peter, says, You are Simon Peter, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which means a stone. And so Jesus, knowing and looking into the life, looking into Peter and seeing something in Peter that Peter didn't even see in himself. And that's the way God looks at us. And so one day, Christian, you're going to receive a white stone. When we're in glory, we're going to receive a white stone, and we're going to receive on that white stone a name that only you and the Lord knows. It's going to be something personal. It's going to be something unique, and no one else is going to understand it, but it's God's hidden secret to you. It's His hidden manna. It's that fellowship. That's what it means. You know, and then, um, you know, when you think of a new name, and you think of a white stone, and this hidden manna, or intimate fellowship, what does it remind you of? Reminds me of a wedding of a marriage. The bride receives a white stone on her hand. She receives a new name. <laughs> and, 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 and the intimacy and the fellowship that's going to occur between now the husband and the wife. And, and I love that. I love that. Let me read to you. Um, actually, in Ephesians 5, and we'll, we'll, we'll stop here and we'll take communion after this. 
But look at Ephesians chapter 5. These things, these last few verses, remind me of a marriage. And let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And, you know, Jesus gives uh, some exhortation to wives and to husbands. And in verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And here's the thing for the husbands, and I think we've got a hard thing to do too, guys. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for. That means self-sacrifice on our end, to bless our wives, to love them that he might notice, sanctify, and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Notice verse 28. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. But notice verse 32, and we'll end here. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. (laughs) Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects or reverences her husband. And I love that. So as we look at this, you know, new name, a, a, a new stone, and, and as we look at this intimacy of, of the hidden manna, it reminds us of a marriage. And, and, and that's just what Jesus is going to do when he returns for his bride, the church. He's going to, we're going to be married to him. We're going to be married to him. Are you looking forward to that day? I know that I am. I know that I am. Let's take communion now. If you have your elements nearby, um, We will take communion together. And remember the night before Jesus was taken, remember in the upper room there in Jerusalem, Jesus, after they had taken the Passover meal, he did something very unique that's never been done. And that is he passed around a loaf of bread and each of the disciples pulled off a piece of the bread and he said, take, eat. He goes, this is my body which is broken for you. Now his body hadn't been broken yet, but in just hours from that very moment, his body would be broken. Uh, his, his, the skin would be broken. As he, as he was beaten, as he was taken to the cross and nailed to that cross, and certainly we know the events of what happened on the cross. Jesus' uh, the crown of thorns, the, the floggings uh, with the flagellum that he received, certainly the, the spear in the side, uh, the nails in the wrist, fastening him into the feet, to the pole. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, my, my body, this is my body, take it and eat it. And then he took the cup and he passed it around. He said, this is the blood of my, uh, this is the blood of the new covenant. And he said, take and drink it. And, and, and we know that these two elements are the things that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We do this to remind ourselves of what he did on the cross. I mean, how could we forget? But we do, don't we? Because it, we forget when we don't adhere to it. You know, we can get so busy in life. And so that's what these elements are for, to remind us of those things. And so that's why this is important for us to take. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is symbolic. 
This is symbolic. And so we take this in remembrance of what he did for us, the greatest act of sacrifice, the greatest act of worship that has ever happened on the history of the world and ever could be was Jesus laying his life down willingly. He was no martyr. He willingly laid down his life for you and I because he paid the punishment. And what we couldn't see, remember, we just had Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and I, I stress that at this time, but one of the things that was not seen on the cross that was significant, certainly the beatings and all that, but listen, Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people through history have been crucified, but no one has taken upon him the sin of the world like Jesus did. And that is something I believe is probably the most horrible of the of the two. I mean, I've never been crucified, and I hope I never am, <laughs> but notice that it was the crucifixion, but it was what happened afterwards when God put the sin of the entire humankind upon his son and judged it in his son and why did he do that so that we might have life that's what the whole that's what the whole sacrificial system in the old testament was for when they would sin they would offer a lamb in their place they would offer a goat in their place they would offer a pigeon or whatever in their place they did this as substitutionary jesus who was almighty god in the flesh he took that sin of the world upon himself and if we believe in him, the Bible says that we can go to, we, we, we'll know that we'll go to heaven and we'll know that we are his. Because if the Spirit of God does not dwell in us, we are none of his, the Bible says. So it's important that we remember. So let's do that. Let's take the bread and let's take the cup as we remember what Jesus did for us. Praise the Lord. Isn't it nice to know that, you know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. It says this wonderful thing, and, and don't forget this. This is a, a huge scripture. In 1 John chapter 1, and, and I'm going I'm to read it verbatim. 1 John chapter 1, I believe it's in uh, verses 8 through 10. Notice what John says, and we'll finish with this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But notice the promise here. If we, Christians, if we confess our sins... He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the best thing happening, folks, because what we just did uh, just now is we, we confess that, 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 that blood and His blood on the cross was sufficient to cover us so that our sins could be forgiven. And, and certainly it's important that we do confess daily, right? And so uh, before we even take communion, and probably should have done it earlier, but you know it's good to go and confess anything that you know of. And God will cover everything if you forget. You don't have to worry. But when we do know of something, it's important that we do confess it. Because if we don't, then the Bible says, if we don't confess it, then we're not forgiven. That's a tough pill. And I'll just leave His Word at it because it's important for us to confess and to come into agreement with Him. But aren't you glad that you're cleansed? and that you're, um, you're covered by the blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for this time today, and thank you for your great love for us, Lord. Thank you, never, thank you that you've never given up on us, Lord. And as we read these, these, these difficult things that we read in Revelation concerning the, the churches at that time, and Lord, honestly, we see a lot of the same things in and of ourselves, and so we, we recognize that this letter is good for us to read. And the others, too, as we, as we see the, the commendations and certainly as we see the things that are lacking, Lord, we, we recognize that that's true within us as well. So, Lord, help us to examine ourselves and, and not to be overwrought with, uh, 
with condemnation, Lord, at all, but rather just to come to you and confess. And Lord, even be free from the guilt of past stuff. Lord, we know that the the forgiveness of sins, it does that too, Lord. It frees us even from the guilt. And so we thank you for that. And we praise you in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.